Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Hello there, friends. The name of today's game is going to be female hormone imbalance, uh, but really specifically talking about irregular periods and PCOS, those two things often overlap, uh, painful periods, acne, um, all of these hormone you know, symptoms of hormone imbalance that a lot of folks struggle with. And we're going to be talking about some basic principles you can apply to your life. I have Melissa Lee here. It's an interview that we did. She's a health coach who supports women with hormonal imbalances, including PCOS. Um, she has her own experience because she does have PCOS. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then she uses a lot of simple, natural tools um, to help other women struggling as well. Uh, she has an, a community on Facebook called Find Natural Ways to Balance Hormones with, Hormones with Nourish Mel. So you can check her out there. Um, the reason that I wanted to highlight some of these simple practices on my show, we usually do really extensive deep dives on stuff. And while I think that is so important, I, I sometimes have to remind you that the basics are the biggest needle movers. And this is a concept that I've been talking a lot about in the Functional Nutrition Academy, my uh, 12-month mentorship and training program for other practitioners. I, I call it the 80-20 rule where 80%, 20% is the sexy, glamorous stuff that everybody wants to talk about. It's the, the functional lab testing. It's the you know superfoods. It's the biohacking, it's the, um, you know, dialing certain macronutrient ratios, it's the intermittent fasting, it's, it's all the extra stuff. And that extra stuff can be great, but it's 20%. 80% is the basics. It is the, the, the basic, you know, reducing sugar, you know, cleaning up the diet, getting adequate sleep, lowering inflammation. It's, it's the basic stuff that we overlook. Um, we want to jump right into the 20%, but we can't jump into the 20% unless we've applied the 80% first. And so I like Melissa's approach because we're going to be talking about some really common hormone imbalance symptoms. And you might find yourself 
diving down rabbit holes of blogs or podcasts in figuring out all of the the next level stuff that you could be doing. But I always want to remind you to make sure you're doing the basics first. And I think this episode does a pretty good job of reminding you of what the basics are. Now, this episode is going to be great for somebody who is potentially considering going on hormonal contraceptive, going on the birth control pill as a way to reduce their symptoms. And we can chat a little bit about, is that a viable option and give you some information. I also want to remind you that episode 48 of this podcast podcast, Exploring Female Hormones and Birth Control with Dr. Jolene Brighton does a really extensive deep dive on the birth control pill. So if that's something that you're thinking about, highly recommend going and checking out that that episode. I also interviewed Lisa Hendrickson-Jack on episode 61, Using Your Cycle to Plan Your Life, Menstruation, Ovulation, and Tracking Hormones. And she does a really extensive deep dive into ovulation, into our periods. And um, those provide a ton of good information. So check those out as well. Um, But I like the um, I like some of the basics that Melissa brings to the table, and also I want you to really pay attention to um, her talking about inflammation because inflammation is at the root of so many period problems. This is a concept that we we do a pretty extensive deep dive um, on with your hormone revival. I've said deep dive so many times already. Uh, It's only been a handful of minutes. How many times can I say deep dive? But we talk a lot about how inflammation can drive period problems. And so I want you to think about the different sources of inflammation that that might be um, coming into your body. Get us those anti-inflammatory effects, which is why, um, which is why supplementation is extra important if you are after the anti-inflammatory effects. And so what I have been using, um, because I don't know, I just like to double down on my turmeric, is Organifi's gold powder. It's... um, it's like golden tea. It is so good. It has turmeric in it, obviously, um, but it is so tasty. <laughs> I am such a sucker for powders. I've said it before. I will say it again. Uh, but it is so, so, so tasty. It's already pre-mixed and it has turmeric in it, but it also has lemon balm, which is definitely one of my favorite herbs. I actually grow it because I love it so much. Lemon balm is unnerving and it's super calming and relaxing to the system. So anybody who tends to be a little on the high, strong, high stress uh, spectrum like myself does really well with lemon balm. It's just quite soothing. Um, I have taken lemon balm on and off as antiviral because I struggle with the ongoing shingles stuff. Um, and when I get stressed out, I will feel the nerve pain. And so lemon balm is tremendously helpful for that. So not only does it have turmeric, but it also has some lemon balm. It has reishi, some other mushrooms for nice immune support, lots of good prebiotic acacia fi- uh, fiber. So we do we are feeding the gut bugs. So if you're thinking about... Uh, ways to reduce inflammation after listening to this podcast episode. If you're like, oh, I do have painful periods. Ooh, this is an issue for me. And you're thinking about turmeric. Highly recommend that product because not only are you getting a good dose of turmeric, you're also drinking a super yummy drink. I'm telling you, it's really, 
really good. If you end up getting it, you got to let me know. You can go to Organifi.com forward slash Funk, F-U-N-K. That'll save you 15%. I'll link that up in the show notes. Um, The coupon code Funk will save you 15% on the entire website, but you guys got to check it out. I know that you will love it. All right. Without much further ado, let's check out what Melissa has to say about wonky periods. It's funny because I was in university and um, I basically, in my third year, I started to bleed for a month, like prolonged bleeding. Every single day I had to, I mean, I wear a pad, so I had to wear a pad every day and it would really affect my ability to like travel, you know, go on summer vacation to like a beach or it just felt really like the floor wasn't heavy nor was it light. It was kind of in the middle and I didn't know what was going on. So, um, and I was in the UK at that time. So, I was like, okay, you know what? I need to like figure this out, right? So I went to see a gynecologist back in Singapore. So I'm actually Singaporean. Um, And so I went to see her and she, you know, she, you know, did all the original like testing for PCOS. So like, okay, I do have some sort of irregularity in my period. Um, I had higher level of testosterone and they found like polycystic, I mean, they they found cysts basically on my ovaries. Um, And, you know, according to them, they're like, okay, you have PCOS, I'm going to put you on the birth control pill. And obviously for me, I didn't know what the pill was. And I was just like, okay, I trust you. I mean, you're my doctor, right? And I think I see that a lot with people too. Like we always hand, you know, doctors the power to like heal us or fix us um, based on whatever symptoms that we have. So I was on the birth control pill for about four years and I basically, you know, I had to do like a menstrual diary and obviously it became like really regular and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Like, okay, you know, my peers are regular. <laughs> I'm, I'm not like overwhelmed or I, I can save money on pads. And it wasn't until four years later when, you know, I got really sick of just popping a pill every single day or having to make sure that I'm taking it on a, you know, um, an organized timeline and making sure I have like a week off and it was getting like really annoying. So um, I asked my gynecologist, I said, hey, you know, um, do I, you know, I don't want to be taking this for the rest of my life. Like, do I have to? And also, will it affect my ability to give birth in the future? And this was when I was like, uh, maybe 25 then. And she said, yeah, you have to be on the pill for the rest of your life. And to be honest, that really didn't sit well with me. And I'm not a very, like, aggressive person, <laughs> you know. So even as a patient, I didn't, like... I don't know. I didn't like stand up for myself, but I just said, okay. And I went to do my own research and I realized like, okay, I I just really don't want to be on the pill. And, you know, there's got to be a way for me to like um, regulate my periods without depending on medication. And I think that was like the first spark of like, okay, I have, I I think I have some control over my own decisions. Like, why am I letting uh, my gynecologist make all the the decisions for me and I don't even know if what she's saying is true. So I decided to go off it and oh my god it was so bad Erin. Like so I had acne before but it came back with a vengeance and then I had I started to have painful cramps like really really bad cramps that I couldn't even get out of bed. 
um, type of cramps uh, hit me every time I get my period. And it was really bad because um, in the prior years before, even when I was like, you know, bleeding for a whole month or whatever, like I've never had cramps in my life. So this was new. And to me, I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? Like, is this a side effect of the pill? Like, I really didn't know what was going on. And I was popping painkillers for my cramps and I would dread it every month. And I think this is an experience that um, other women might also resonate with if you're listening to this. And yeah, it was just the worst. So I started looking at like natural things. I think around then I was already starting to like, you know, take care of myself. I was like an exercising, I was becoming fitter. But even though I was fitter, my period wasn't doing the best. So I knew that I'm still not, you know, in optimal health because I know like, yeah, I mean, if, you're, if your periods are still causing me pain, then obviously I'm not there's some there's still something like imbalanced or wrong so i decided to try out maca for myself and maca really worked for me like i just started putting it in my oatmeal that i had uh every other day and over time my periods started to regulate my my cramps started to decrease a little bit but on and off i still had you know like random occurrences and this was with the time when i started to go into Institute for Integrative Nutrition where I learned how to be a health coach and then I was like oh my god like health is so much more right than just like um, you know popping pills or going to see doctors like obviously it's like all these like lifestyle changes and sleep and mindset and whatever so um, I really developed a more holistic perspective um, about my diagnosis and I realized like okay, it wasn't so bad, like, having PCOS, like, I thought I would, I thought I was branded, like, I thought I was, you know, I I had this, like, disease, and I realized, like, a lot of women have it, and it's also very underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed at the same time, so to me, after I got a, you know, a more, like, a grapple on it, I didn't feel so, um, dominated by a a condition I felt more empowered to take care of myself and so I just started from then on I guess it was a journey of just listening to my body what it needs Um, if my cycle is long if my cycle is short if my period is really heavy for some reason like what was it this month that affected it so I started just listening to the cues a lot more I don't think that's a, that's ever anything we've ever learned to do. So in uh, so I'm I'm running a program right now called Your Hormone Revival, and I'm taking mm. women through just relearning about like about our our female bodies and the hormones and all of that. And a question: This is the third iteration of the program that I've done, and the question that keeps coming up is, "Oh, my cycle changed this month. What does that mean?" And it's amazing that we've never really been taught to think about that because so many things can throw off our monthly menstrual cycle. And mm-hmm. um, and it, it can be a real window and a real clue into what might be going on in your life that that potentially isn't, isn't really working. Um, so you mentioned coming off. Uh, this is definitely something that I want to chat about because I talk to a lot of parents whose um, daughters, teenage daughters are uh, being told by their physicians that they should go on the pill to regulate their periods, to um, help them deal with really painful periods, 
or for acne purposes. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you have experienced all of those things. And a lot of parents that have dipped their toes into the alternative health world um, or have listened to the podcast um, are saying, hmm, I'm not really sure that that is that that's necessarily the first step I want to take. So I do want to provide some resources for folks who are listening um, for some other other things to explore uh, if the pill is not something that you want to do. But it's quite interesting that you experience those rebound effects because you would think um, that would send people right back to the pill. If they're like, mm-hmm. okay, I was on the pill and my period seemed regulated and then I came off the pill and I had an uptake in all of these symptoms, then I guess the pill was working. But that's not really true. And I would love for you to chat a little bit about how this concept of having a regular period on the pill is actually quite the fallacy because you're not have it's the pill doesn't regulate your period correct yes yeah it doesn't it only only you know provides the illusion like because i mean even in the pill the hormones are like synthetic they're not actually um very identical to our biological hormones so we're actually suppressing our own um, endogenous hormones and so like when you get off the pill you, you know your body's like uh, I don't know what to do with like my own hormones because they haven't been working for a long time. And so um, I, you know, people, some women do take a long time to even get their periods back. Um, and then, you know, you have all these side effects of like nutrient depletion. Some women are like depressed or anxious. And I think it just becomes very chaotic once you go off the pill and you're not ready for it. Yeah, and I think that um, not everybody experiences that. Some some have a really seamless transition, and mm-hmm. some I like, I like the word you use, chaotic. It's definitely <laughs> can be really really chaotic, and they're struggling with those rebound effects. And then what I've seen is people have this belief is like, oh shoot, the pill was really helping, so I have to go back. Versus right. giving their 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 body a chance for that um, that transition. What are things that in your estimation, can make that transition a little easier for folks. There are like other things that can help to regulate the periods or, you know, can help to make it seamless, as you say. Um, I would say really focus on the lifestyle changes. So for me, for example, I, I realized that my lifestyle was like I was eating a lot of sugar, um, when I was diagnosed by PCOS, you know, I was drinking a lot of alcohol during that time in my life. So that probably had an effect on me. And then also just really r- ramping up my diet, like with vegetables, um, making sure that I'm, I wasn't over-exercising, like all these kind of things like can really help the body to feel safe, safe enough to be like, okay, you know, uh, we can start, you know, doing the whole hormone um, hormone dance again I guess right so um, I think one of the main ways is yes affect, um, address nutrition and then address the stress so the stress can be like physical stress from too much exercising for example or it can be like uh, emotional stress mental stress so, and this is where the mindset piece comes in because if someone's like feeling very victimized by their pe- PCOS or very victimized by their period problems, you know, your body's going to be like, okay, this symptom is bad or this experience is like unsafe. So maybe, you know, you might be triggered to like go for the pill or go for a quick fix. So I think just addressing that 
like I know it's a long answer but um yeah I think it's more like a holistic perspective like coming from a bigger picture so addressing the mind the nutrients um the stress and then really cultivating like an awareness of your body like if you you know I find for example I find like fertility awareness um really helpful as soon as I started charting I could really see like the difference in symptoms correlating to my lifestyle so like for me if I go on road trips or if I travel my period definitely like becomes longer like it becomes as long as like 38 days is it I mean my cycle sorry and um and I know it's because I'm traveling you know my routine's off I'm not eating as well um, and then, you know, some other times if I'm really stressed at home by like, I don't know, my husband or family or whatever, yeah, that can affect my periods too, or the length of my cycle. And, um, I want to say too, you've, you mentioned quick fix. It's, I, I don't, I want to make sure that we're not coming across as medication shaming because that if ultimately you make the choice to to take a prescription medication. If that's the right choice for you, that's the mm-hmm. right choice for you. So I want to make sure that we're not um, looking down on anybody's choices there. But I think the big misconception is that what I was saying earlier is that the, the misconception is that the pill regulates our cycle. And that, that it actually isn't isn't true. That's that's a big misconception. What it does, it suppresses ovulation. It's kind of its job. And then you, some people might have a pill bleed and they mistake that for actual menstruation. So it's not really doing the thing that most people think that it is. Right. It's a with, withdrawal bleed, basically. A withdrawal. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um... Yeah, I can. And you can, you know, you can uh, add in your own um, comments too. So yeah, I mean, the, you know, the pill, the pill is designed for you to be like, okay, you bleed in a certain week of the month and it's very predictable. So people feel safe on it. You can time sexual intercourse without worrying about getting pregnant or whatever. Um, I definitely agree with you. If you are on the pill and it is your choice, yes. But um, it's very important to know um, what comes with your choice mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just like reading this, the label on the packaging or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, like the, the bleed that you get is actually a withdrawal bleed because you don't ovulate, right? Um, it's, it's stopping you from ovulating so you don't get pregnant. And so progesterone isn't being formed. And when progesterone is being, isn't being formed, um, from like the corpus luteum, um, your period isn't real to be in that sense. Like, um, I don't know how to describe it better, but that's just it. Like you don't ovulate, so you don't get progesterone. And um, so your, your period bleed isn't really a bleed bleed, I would say. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. Um, let's chat about the, the, the nutrition. So you, um, you know, you do, you create a natural healing toolkit to help clients improve their symptoms. Um, so assuming that would include nutrition and you had said something that you had to evaluate your sugar intake and your alcohol intake. Um, but I noticed that you said that you ate, you eat oats, oatmeal for breakfast. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about 
the idea of carbohydrate intake um, from a hormone perspective, because a lot of folks with PCOS are automatically told they have to reduce their carbohydrates. So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah, this this is big. And I know you, you know, you also have, um, I mean, you have your own like carbohydrate compatibility program thing, right? Yeah. Uh, for hormones. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like good intentions from the doctor, you know, when they tell people to go on like really low carb or no carb diets when you have PCOS because like 70 percent of women with PCOS has insulin resistance. Um, from what I see though, my clients, like I had a client recently, she has PCOS and she was on a low carb diet and her period came, you know, every three months and, you know, she's doing CrossFit and there are a lot of like, you know, perhaps imbalances there working against her because she was like kind of over exercising, like doing too much. Oh, not CrossFit, sorry. Uh, powerlifting. Um, so it was like a lot of like, um, energy, right. Being used in her workouts and she wouldn't really balance that with any like restorative exercises. And then she would think like, okay, I'm only going to eat a lot of protein, just a little fats, but not much carbs. And to me, when you do that, your body feels like it's not safe and your body thinks like, okay, you're in, you know, pretty much in a starvation mode because you're expending so much energy, but you're not refueling enough. So what happens is your body might, you know, might go into a constant fight and flight mode. It doesn't really relax all the way. And when that happens, your body's not going to be thinking about reproducing. And, you know, that might affect your ovulation status. It might affect your levels of progesterone or estrogen. Um, and so I got my client to actually go on like a more of a moderate carb diet that seems to work well like even for me um, I work better on a moderate carb diet and um, once she got that her peers actually started to come you know earlier it's not every month now but it's every like one and a half months like it's way better and she can really you know she she gets like a, a full period like proper period and so um just introducing the type of carbohydrates that are it's good for your body like sweet potatoes uh you know some people do do tend to do well on like oats you could do wild rice um you could do like uh quinoa or amaranth for example and when you get those carbohydrates in you know your body uses that for fuel and i think it's more of like there's a really um focus on the amount of carbohydrates right like low carb low carb but then it really depends on the type of carbs that you eat so yes i mean you can go on moderate carb it obviously depends on the individual you know it's like a spectrum right but um, you definitely don't want to restrict too much if you happen to see that your periods are being affected your cycles are being affected um so I would say, yeah, don't worry about introducing carbs into your meals. You can even, you know, do it on a step-by-step -step basis. But the most important thing is to choose the right type of carbs that work for your body. Um, I am aware that, you know, some people don't do well on like, I don't know, like maybe certain types of rice. Maybe it makes them sleepy or whatever. Um, you just have to adjust it. And obviously don't have the carbs as a huge um, 
portion of your meal, like have a better amount, a better portion of like protein and healthy unsaturated fats in your diet. So like pumpkin seeds, ground flax seeds and nuts, for example, avocado or fatty fish. Um, And then, you know, your carbohydrates, have them um, in a good amount, like sweet potatoes. And also just do remember that carbohydrates are also present in like root vegetables. So like beetroot, um, those are really good ways to get carbohydrates in too. And, you know, it really, with with PCOS particularly, it, it really has a lot to do with what level of insulin resistance somebody's working with too. So there's not like there's one size fits all PCOS diet. Or one size fits all, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, you know, uh, irregular period diet that that doesn't exist. It really is so contextual and it really depends on if there, A, if there is insulin resistance present, if, you know, depending on what type of PCOS um, somebody has, uh, you know, that that can really help um, figure out what the carbohydrate threshold might be. So... Um, I agree. I mean, I am I myself. I don't have insulin resistance. My PCOS is more of an inflammatory point of um, um, uh, root, I guess. Um, so I really have to focus on like the you know the stress piece and whatever else that's causing my cortisol to rise. And so I yeah I thrive better on like a moderate carb rather than for example like a low carb diet because that would increase my stress levels more. So that's just an example. That is such a good example and such a good point and why it's so important if you do receive the PCOS diagnosis, then you got to do, you know, do some root cause testing to figure out what's causing it because for you, a low carb carb diet would probably be a disaster because your cortisol levels would spike. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, totally. Great, uh, great point there. Um, how about another thing you said uh, before was that painful periods uh, really indicate an imbalance in the body. And I think this is perhaps a shock for people because we we just assume that that's like kind of the curse of being a woman is that we menstruate and with menstruation comes this like shit show of events, like <laughs> mood swings and painful periods, painful cramping, um, debilitating fatigue. And this actually isn't normal. It's commonplace. A lot of people experience it, but it's not normal. And, and like you said, it's a sign of imbalance. So um, what would you say to somebody who is potentially considering going on birth control pill as a way to alleviate these symptoms? Are, are there are there other things to try first? Yeah, oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. The whole that whole statement about like you know it's common but not normal. It's <laughs> it rings true so much in like the period health world, um, and I used to think so too. I you know I was surrounded by people who are like always having painful cramps and then when I would have them I'll be like oh am I like normal now like you know I am I like like my friends now and to me it was so sad because now whenever I get my period I'm like so happy to get it or like you know I I don't have cramps very much often now and it's because I understand how my body works so, um, 
in answer to your question, before, yeah, before reaching for a painkiller or going on the pill to relieve painful cramps, you need to understand why cramps are happening in the first place. So like for us, our bodies, um, we have hormone-like substances that are called prostaglandins. And in the uterus, they're what, they're what causes the muscles to contract every month so we can release our lining. And, you know, there are two types of prostaglandins. And if we have the more kind of inflammatory type, that makes the cramps more bad. And so, um, you know, it's not like the prostaglandins are bad. They, you know, they play a role in like inducing labor. They help your uterus contract appropriately. But, um, you know, prostaglandins can be... I mean, the levels can be too high due to inflammation. And this is when we ingest too much omega-6 into our diet. So, you know, the traditional American diet is very high in omega-6 and very low in omega-3s. And, you know, examples of foods that are high in omega-6 in our diet today is like commercially raised uh, meats, for example, fast food because they're often cooked in vegetable oils and vegetable oils are like sunflower or corn or soybean oil. And obviously the restaurants, you know, use vegetable oils to cook their food, most of them, because it's cheap, it's widely available. Um, and most of us, we don't think about that aspect when we dine out or when we choose certain food to eat. And so when our diet's very high in omega-6s, it causes... Um, you know, a very disbalanced ratio between the omega-6s and the 3s. And omega-3s really help us to reduce inflammation. So that would help to, you know, reduce the amount of um, inflama inflammatory prostaglandins in the body. And that can help with menstrual cramps. I would also say, you know, increase magnesium because magnesium is a really great, like, relaxing mineral. Um, it can help, you know, with constipation. It can help you to sleep. It can help with tension in the neck. And so, you know, menstrual cramps is, you know, a form of tension in the body too. And um, I some, when I had cramps, I think maybe two months ago, I usually opt for ginger. I opt for ground flaxseed, um, magnesium, and also just avoiding cold drinks. So I don't know if you know this, but in Chinese medicine, um, you know, they always say like avoid cold drinks or cold beverages because not only does it dilute the stomach acid, which um, increases like mild digestion, but it can worsen period pain. And I think for them, it, it, you just think about your body as like, okay, the energy in your body is like heat. And, you know, when you have pain, it draws a lot of attention to that area and you don't want to kind of dilute the pain with any cold things you just want to like move through it so for example using like heated castor oil packs that helps too like having something warm would really help um i think let's see what else okay one more thing is eliminating dairy for some women i do see like their um women who have dairy sensitivities also struggle with menstrual cramps Partly because, you know, you're eating something that you're sensitive to, your immune system is, is responding, um, it drives up inflammation. So anything that leads to, you know, more inflammation can lead to an increase in period cramps. That is, those are a lot of really helpful suggestions. So thank you for that. And the dairy thing, it's like, it's a pretty... 
I would say kind of like low hanging fruit, right? Take dairy out for a couple right. of months and just see how you do. You're going to get some feedback pretty quickly as to whether or not that's, that's yeah, help, and helping dairy, or hurting. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. And dairy affects, um, yeah, I mean, dairy um, induces acne, you know, it worsens acne in some people too. Um, and I, I think, you know, another common medication for PCOS is spironolactone because it helps to kind of alleviate the acne, quote unquote, per se. But, you know, every medication, I mean, that also comes with side effects. So um, just to give you an example, one of my clients, she was on spironolactone for her acne and I, we got her to eliminate dairy, which is very hard for her because she's Mexican. <laughs> but, um, you know, we got her on like vitamin E and evening primrose oil, more omega-3s definitely. And she's no longer on spironolactone. She doesn't have to see her dermatologist anymore. Um, so that's just one of the ways how like lifestyle changes can really affect or yeah, impact you know the symptoms that you have. Yeah, let's chat a little bit more about acne because I know that that is something that you struggled with in the past, and that can be a really painful experience for um, for people. So, what other things did you have success with when you were trying to heal your acne? Hmm, that's a good question. So for me, um, I think a big one is omega-3s the omega-3s for example they really help with like um you know the cell membranes of i mean in the body um they're very um anti-inflammatory they help my skin to kind of clear up and so as i said before like dairy is one that really affects acne i would say also in PCOS, you know, when we have higher levels of testosterone, it can build up or it converts into a more active form, which is DHT. And that can really cause, you know, like excess oil being built up in glands in the skin and that can cause acne. Um, especially for PCOS, yeah, we do suffer from acne because of this higher levels of testosterone. So I've heard of, you know, having like turmeric or curcumin in your diet that can help also. I've also heard that if you try spearmint tea, there are some studies um, showcasing that spearmint tea like twice a day could help. Um, to be honest, I have tried that and I have tried saw, saw palmetto as a herb. Um, I don't know for sure if that works for me or not. Some women, you know, they find that it works for them. I don't think it particularly worked for me. Um, when I incorporate more vegetables and more omega-3s, I think that really helps with my skin. Another thing I want to say is um, also the use of beauty products. So, you know, xenoestrogens, which are like... Um, environmental toxins which can mimic our estrogen hormone in our body it can really wreak havoc in our body and it can also cause inflammation in our body so um, when I revamped my skincare I basically you know threw out like a bunch of um, makeup products that has a lot of chemicals in them and I replaced them with like uh, ingredient labels that I actually could understand every single ingredient in the label for example like Anne-Marie skincare I love their brand um, that worked really well for me because I started to see like okay my acne you know it only comes out maybe sometime during ovulation or just maybe one two days before my period it wasn't like the full spectrum anymore and it's really because you know I ch I I incorporated all these like 
anti-inflammatory choices into my diet and into my lifestyle, um, which includes like the revamping of the uh, beauty products. And that really helped to clear acne. Um, I would say, Erin, um, a topic of um, detoxification. So um, detoxification, I think... I think uh, Okay, my mind's going all over the place, but I I feel like detoxification it has also a role in alleviating acne because you know our liver is in charge of processing toxins and estrogen and whatnot and clearing it out of the body by converting it into a safer compound, and you know we like excrete it through like urine or sweat or uh, poop, and um, when I started to incorporate, for example, more cruciferous vegetables that could that help my liver to clear out more toxins or detox better. Um, having a bowel movement every day that really helps because whatever toxins that are recirculating in the body get, that can actually also affect our skin, and acne is also you know a potential consequence of that. Awesome. And, and back to the uh, sal palmetto and the um, the spearmint and the spironolactone, they all mm-hmm. work in very similar ways in that they block androgens. And that's why they can be helpful for those with PCOS with the elevated androgens um, if that is what's driving the acne. That's why sometimes those particular, uh, just for anyone listening mm-hmm. that is like, oh, what's the what's going on with, with that? Um, but yeah, there's so many different factors that contribute to, to skin issues. And I think you touched on a few of them. So thank you for that. Um, all right, why don't we, um, why don't you let folks know where they can find a little bit more of you? Because you have your own podcast. So if somebody wanted to hear more from you, where can they find you? Oh, great. I'm so glad um, you asked me about that. Yes, so I have my own podcast. It's called Nourish Mel Podcast. Um, You can just look it up. Um, I have also um, a Facebook group, as you said in the intro. It's called Natural Ways to Balance Hormones with Nourish Mel. And, you know, speaking of, like, PCOS, in light of PCOS Awareness Month, I actually have a free life event happening next Tuesday, and I'm going to be sharing about three ways to deal with hair and weight struggles when someone has PCOS, because I see that this is a, this is like the top two problems that I see in like you know PCOS support groups or <laughs> um, Instagram or whatever. Um, and so I'm going to address that. So if anyone's listening and if you are struggling with like excessive hair loss or hair growth um, and weight, you know, weight gain, weight loss troubles, definitely go sign up for that. Um, and I guess, you know, women can find me on Instagram. That's where I, I usually am at Nourish Male Health. Awesome. We will make sure we link up to all of that in the show notes. I thank you so much for coming on the show, Melissa. It was great. Yeah, thank you, Erin. That was so fun. Um, Yeah, this was really nice for me to share my experience. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you 